This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. back to White Ladies in Crisis. We're talking Physical Season 1, Episode 2, and I'm Joe Lipset, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Jen Adams. Hello. And Gina Radcliffe. Hi. Hello. Hello. Okay, so, Physical Episode 2, Let's Get Political. The logline for this episode is, Desperate for more aerobics, Sheila struggles to get back to Bunny's studio while also helping Danny lock down a much-needed endorsement. And ladies, I'm not going to lie, that feels like it's really burying the lead. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even though I think you predicted last week, or sorry, in the last episode, Jen, you predicted that we would be getting more aerobics. This episode's actually pretty light on that. We see Sheila trying to break into the studio and it doesn't go well for her. And then we once again end the episode with her back in class. Yeah. And I thought like I really wanted, I I have been thinking about what I want from this show. Mm -hmm. And there is a big part of me that wants them to just have fun and do aerobics. And I think that's the part of me that wants to go do aerobics myself, you know? Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Bunny's class looks really fun. (laughs) She looks like a great teacher. She does. Yeah, she's got some good moves. And that's why everyone tries to steal them. Mm. But I love that, like, I think we talked last time about the comparison to Walter White. And I think, like, this episode kind of, I think, is going a little closer to that area you know like they're they're leaning into her not maybe being the greatest person or at least being like a flawed hero or flawed protagonist which i really like in theory mm-hmm. you know and i like that there are complex female characters in this episode a lot it's just not at all where i thought it was going to go and i also think they are like they're setting up a long haul you know like we Absolutely. can't just all have like sequins and dancing in the second episode. <laughs> I th- I feel like you're wanting it to be a bit more glow. Yeah. Yes, yes. But even with glow, like there's a lot of building that happens, you know, and I find myself like there's a big part of me that just wants that really triumphant moment. But I'm glad that we're not skipping what it takes to get there because I feel like that is more like what life is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, a this episode is a lot of setting up of dominoes. A lot lot of setting up. And a lot of cheese puffs, which I really want cheese puffs now. No, they look so nasty. They look delicious. I don't think I've ever had one. <laughs> That's a. It's a very like they, they they got all the details like really really right. Like the, the the cheese puffs were for a while were like sort of meant to be glamorous like party food. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's basically just, it's just baked cheese, Joe. Jeez. <laughs> okay. You know what? I can get on board with baked cheese. I think it was more the disconnect in seeing people in almost fancy dress eating something that I considered, you know, appetizers that you would buy at the grocery store and just, you know, maybe microwave. Mm-hmm. Like bagel bites. Well, also, yeah, what they're doing is the, the food that she is chowing down on doesn't actually you're you're right this not doesn't look actually look all that appetizing mm-hmm. because she's just like she's just shoving it in her mouth and and mm-hmm. you know i i don't think that she looks you know at food 
in in an aesthetic way. It's just no. like I got I gotta I gotta have that in my mouth. <laughs> Hannibal, this ain't. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, like if you, you know, when when the scene where she's at the mall with Greta and they have the cinnamon rolls, you look at it. There's just so much frosting on it, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. The, the cake at uh at Danny's goodbye party at the college. It it just looks so. It's like a chintzy supermarket cake. How is she destroying her body over this utter crap? That she's just, mm-hmm. you know, shoveling in her mouth and then, you know, presumably throwing it back up again. And it's just, because it doesn't matter what you're eating, just as long as you're eating something, as long as you're just putting something in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. There's a moment where she is talking to Tyler about wanting to get back to the class and talking about how it made her feel powerful. Mm. And they kind of do these things where it's like flashing to her being in the class. And then it flashes to her eating the hamburger like in one of her binge sessions I was like oh she just wants power over something you know and so it I kind of like that they're not really glamorizing the food because that's not really what it's about for her it's not about what it is it's about having some kind of control you know and consuming I wonder too if because we're so intimately tied into her thought process with this voiceover narration, I wonder if we're also then seeing a lot of this food through her perspective where she hates oh, herself definitely. or even wanting to eat it because it looks disgusting. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of this is is based in, you know, the unreliable narrator, which is a mm. you know, it's, it's a trope that I love, but it's also not always done very well. Mm. Here here I think it's done well. Like I, I think that her perspective just makes everybody else just seem so awful. Like right. like I was th- I was thinking after this episode, if I have to see Danny's bare ass oh every episode. <laughs> I I don't I don't know if I'm going to be on board for all ten episodes of this of this show because boy oh boy, it is amazing how much he doesn't have pants on. You know, <laughs> I guess credit to Rory Scovel for being willing to bear everything. We were actually talking about what it's like to podcast in the summer and how we all kind of wish that we were naked <laughs> because it gets so hot. Credit to the people on physical because they are showing quite a significant amount of skin and apparently being comfortable enough to put it all out there on screen. Mm-hmm. And it's not just women, too. No, right. no, no. If anything, like, Danny is the most naked one of all. Right. Indeed. I could easily <laughs> see him being a nudist, to be honest. Oh, totally. Ugh. <laughs> so Gina your prediction for this second episode was that you were very interested to see what would happen with the money and of course we get our answer in that cold open and I'm not gonna lie I think it's just the best fucking way to open this episode is the way that mm-hmm. she blackmails Bunny and Tyler who I didn't realize was going to be a character I forgot that we even met Lou Taylor Pucci's Tyler in the first episode he's just one of the surfer dudes that that's is right oh, yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering about that when she go when she goes to talk to Lynn, I'm like is that oh oh okay yeah. it's the, same, the same character <laughs> both times okay I thought she was just scoping out younger men I didn't realize any of them were going to be important mm-hmm how often does that happen? <laughs> I feel like that's uh, yes. kind of the story of some of parts of my life. <laughs> well, what I love about this scene is she thinks very quickly on her feet. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And and everybody else in the entire show underestimates her. That's that's the you know, that that's the core issue of the show and the core issue with her is like what a great moment that just kind of made me like just grimace and distaste is when danny is complaining about 
he has he has an idea for his 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 campaign platform. Mm-hmm. He tells it to her while she's half asleep, and she doesn't react to it in a way that he appreciates. Ugh. So he gets real passive aggressive and shitty with her, and says, "Well, if I can't impress you, how am I supposed to impress someone someone of substance?" Mm-hmm. Oh boy! And then it takes him a minute. He's like, "Oh, well, I didn't mean it like that." It's like, "Yeah, you did, Danny. Yeah, you did. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you That's called a Freudian slip, Danny. Fuck yeah, you. You, did, you definitely meant it that way. You definitely meant it that you know she's just some housewife, even though she's your housewife, you know, mm-hmm. like, whose opinion d- doesn't really matter, right?" And he demonstrates that by suggesting, oh, well, I've now got this day off. I don't know what to do with my time. So I guess I'll just accompany you on your day mm-hmm. to get a better sense of what you do. It's like, I'm sorry, how long have you been married? And you don't know what your wife does with her time? Right. And then he doesn't do anything she does. Like they get to the daycare and he doesn't do anything. Like he just mm-hmm. wanders off looking at the beach while she takes care of their child. And then when they're like going grocery shopping, he's just wandering around blissfully and she's carrying all the bags. I wrote a lot of fuck you, Danny's. In and my then notes. he's like chat- <laughs> chatting up some very young looking women. Mm-hmm. I loved the voiceover narration when she comes out and she sees <laughs> him talking to these women who P.S. don't even look that interested in what he's saying because he's talking no. shit. He's like, he's like, see you later, girls. And one of them says, like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I love it when Sheila walks up and she's just like, beat it, sluts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this character so, so much. She is despicable, but I fucking love her. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah, there's a moment where somebody is asking her for a crab puff later. I'm sorry, a cheese puff. And she's like, no, and just snaps at him. Yes. Died. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so what do we think of the fact that Sheila opens this episode by blackmailing Bunny and Tyler? You mentioned that everyone overestimates her. I would argue, Gina, I think that Bunny catches on very quickly that Sheila is not someone to be trifled with. Oh, absolutely not. She she thinks she's a spy for, for John Bream. She you know, eyes her very suspiciously. What I thought was interesting is, you know, she asks her, you know, what were you doing stealing my moves? Which means mm-hmm. you know, she she noticed her and apparently thought that she picked up on what she was doing very quickly. Yeah, so, she's a natural. She, like, honed right in on her. And, and Sheila was in the class, what, a couple of minutes, maybe? Mm-hmm. She seems to have a natural intuitive ability. And I think that this episode does a really great job of not just showing us how quickly Sheila thinks on her feet, but also what an asset she is. Like, she is whip smart. Mm-hmm. And I think my biggest aha moment because I, I got the sense that Sheila was very intelligent in the first episode, but I didn't know if it was anything more than she used to be an activist or, you know, maybe she was book smart by nature. And then mm-hmm. in this episode, we get confirmation that she is a dropout of a graduate program. And that mm-hmm. blew my mind. Yeah, that she, she dropped out to marry what uh, Danny has described as a motor mouth potato i think which is which is an absolutely perfect description of him <laughs> body <laughs> totally. and all yeah and i get the sense that like bunny and sheila are kind of like kindred spirits in a way that they both like are very like 
entrepreneurial you kind of get that idea that they they have bigger plans and they're just kind of stymied by one the culture that and the way they that women are viewed and the uh, the opportunities women get and kind of these dipshit men in their life you know yes. as much as I find Tyler entertaining like you get the sense that Bunny is kind of dependent on him and that he's just kind of a a, a dipshit well, here's, a, here's a question I have is it established that Bunny and Tyler are a couple I definitely read. I it that thought way. that they were brother and sister. Uh, yes, that's the oh. thing. I think I think it kind of plays with that a little bit. It's not okay. entirely clear what their relationship actually is. And I, I, Jen, I agree. I thought they were they were brother and sister. Honestly, wow. Okay, yeah. you you two are blowing my mind here. It never even <laughs> crossed my thought pattern. I, I think there's a reason. I think there's a reason why. I think I think Sheila will assume that they're a couple. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do, if we jump ahead to predictions, I think that her and Tyler are going to end up having a thing. Oh, I think there so is too. something there for sure. Yeah. And that she is going to question his relationship with Bunny and he's going to say, oh, yo, what do you talk about? She's my sister. Interesting. Okay. I could be completely wrong about that, but I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I, got, I got more of a sibling vibe from them than, than, than a couple vibe. Yeah, and they haven't said at all. Like, it could be, you know, they could just be business partners. But, yeah, they bicker like siblings. (laughs) It would explain why Bunny is a bit more tolerant of Tyler's pornography empire, which is presumably keeping them awash in cash aside from the aerobics program that she's running out of the mall. Um, Excuse Mm. you, those are surfing movies. (laughs) Right. My apologies, Tyler. (laughs) I'm so used to hearing so much moaning and surfing movies. Oh, yeah. Do you think Tyler's porn line would be called Bodies by Tyler? That's what I <laughs> you know, it, it damn well should be. <laughs> It'd have like a little just dark room back in the the bunny studio, you know, like in the video stores. Ew, and yes. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, to buy videos, not to make them. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. <sighs> I'm just going to back myself out of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's an explicit podcast. We're allowed to talk about pornography if we want to. <laughs> so we're also introduced to a new character. We meet Greta's husband, Ernie Hauser, who is played by Ian Gomez. And we learned that he has patented polyurethane compounds. And that is how he made his fortune. He looks like he, looks like he reminds me of Cy Abelman. He kind of just has that look. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? He looks like, uh, you ever see a serious man? Oh, no, I haven't. He looks like a character named Cy Abelman in it. Okay. Is that a either. good thing or a bad thing? It's kind of neutral, but, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's not, it's just an observation. I don't think it has anything, it's anything relevant to the show or anything. He just kind of has that look. Yeah. I feel like this is like this is another instance of I feel like the show is kind of really leaning into the woman behind the man, you know, because here is another couple where I am way more interested in Greta. And I feel like she does a lot of the connections and like kind of the heavy lifting of that marriage. And she's definitely the more like interesting part of the couple, you know, which is, again, like Bunny and um, Sheila. It's like they are the ones with the ideas and they are the ones that make things happen. And these men are kind of just good at a couple of things and just along for the ride and held together by these women. You know, I love the line that uh, Greta says that Ernie never listens to me. We're working on that in therapy. (laughs) Me too. Oh, at least he's going to therapy. Yeah. I see Danny going to therapy. Oh, God, no. 
I did wonder, though, was therapy a common practice in the 80s? Or is this kind of when it started to rise up as we were becoming more yeah, that was, it, it was certainly a thing for that, like the wealthy did. Okay. Because mm-hmm. that was a that was a time when divorce was still kind of a thing to be embarrassed about. Right. So mm. you would kind of do whatever you had to do to to keep that from happening. Hmm. Yeah. They have a very interesting relationship. I do think you're right, Jen. What we're seeing, not just because this is from Sheila's perspective, but I think the show is cueing us that every woman is more intelligent and more thoughtful and more entrepreneurial than the man that she's with. And it's just varying degrees of how much they are activating that. Like, I Mm -hmm. unfortunately get the impression that Greta is a bit of a pushover. Like, she's willing to let her husband dictate things. And we're not going to see that in Sheila. And we're not going to see that in Bunny because those women are far more go-getters. Yeah, and I also think part of it, like one of the things that I picked up on with Greta is I feel like there's just such a lack of confidence there. And I feel like, whereas uh, Sheila definitely has a lot of body images, at least she has a little bit of the power that society gives fit women, you know, or women that fit into this like ideal body image. And I feel like Greta just in kind of the way Sheila dismisses her, I feel like Greta kind of does that to herself too, you know, and she's kind of funny about it, which is another thing that women lots of times when I don't feel confident about how I look, I try to be really funny. Oh yeah, Um, And I feel like she makes those little jabs, you know, she's like, Hey, you didn't listen to me. It's okay. You know, but then as soon as she wants to go to have breakfast, she's like oh yeah you want to be my friend like I feel like Greta just really wants friends and I feel like there's much more to her but she just kind of she dismisses herself you know one thing I I noticed and we don't we don't really know a lot about Bunny just yet this is our first real introduction to Bunny but Mm -hmm. but I feel that one thing that Greta and uh, Sheila have in common is neither of them seem to have any friends no Like, like, like Sheila you know, she's sort of, and I don't know if it's because she's kind of snobby. <laughs> what I think, what I think is, is, is ironic is that she sends her, her kid to a, a co-op daycare. Yes. And one of the aspects of a co-op daycare is it's, you know, an all hands on deck sort of thing where, where mm-hmm. you are supposed to interact with the teacher. You are supposed to interact with the other parents. You know, it's almost sort of like a kind of idealized, you know, hippie commune kind of daycare. Mm -hmm. And it's not until Danny decides he's going to run for office that she decides she's finally going to start getting involved in in this daycare. And of course, she comes off as kind of phony about it and and awkward. She clearly doesn't want to be there. But the only friend we really see her have is the, the friend from episode one. And it's clear they don't like each other. They right. they mm-hmm. they are they are frenemies. Uh, they they are probably friends because their husbands are friends. Right. Mm-hmm. They would not choose to spend time together on their own. I think it speaks to the kinds of relationships that Jen mentioned in the last episode, where women are frequently pitted against each other or they're kept siloed. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's patriarchy because you climb the ladder by stepping on other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, her kid is old enough now, and she clearly, Sheila clearly has enough free time on her hands that mm-hmm. she she could, you know, spend that time forging friendships, mm-hmm. but doesn't. Now, I mean, I realize that, you know, obviously we all know that, that making new friends in adulthood is very hard. It, yeah. it, 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 it has... Yeah. 
a whole different set of challenges than it does when you're a kid. But mm-hmm. I don't get the impression she that she even likes women that much. That that mm-hmm. because she she is so filled with self loathing, you know, self loathing for herself mm-hmm. that she can't even like she can't tolerate seeing her own flaws in other women. Yeah. So you know, whatever friends she might have had, I think she kind of pushed them away, or or you know made a point of, of separating herself from them. And now you know she's she's paying for it. She has very few people in her corner. Mm-hmm. It makes you realize why she's so dependent on Danny. Then, right? Like right. she she has not only absconded from her own education, which would have allowed her a certain amount of upward mobility, but she has invested everything that she has into a marriage and a life with a man that she. Maybe she once respected him. It's unclear whether she actually truly ever loved him. But right now, she certainly Mm -hmm. seems not to be particularly enthralled. And yet she still goes through these motions, right? Like, I love the moment, and I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about the pound cake incident. But when she is done, she basically dusts her hands off and says, let's get this shit done. And that's when she comes up with the entire environmental slogan. Mm Mm-hmm. It all, it's the patriarchy again. <laughs> and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that the patriarchy and capitalism all, most times are what the true bad guys are. Right. But yeah, it's like, this is like, she's told that that's her job, you know, is that to be this woman behind the man and to keep this home. And one of the things that I've noticed that's a pattern with Danny is that he has these unspoken expectations of her. Like she's going to cook dinner. And she's going to like wear the right things to this party to make him look good. And if she doesn't, he's going to lose this endorsement. But he doesn't care at all how she does that. And he is not willing to help at all. Like in the last episode where she's asking him what he wants for them to have dinner. And he's like, I don't want to think about this. And then he gets mad at her when they're walking into the party and she's asking, are we wearing the right thing? You know, Mm -hmm. like those are all like really important things in politics and like the things that he wants like those are crucial elements and he's putting all of that responsibility on her but he's completely oblivious to how much pressure that is and completely unwilling to help and it pissed me off (laughs) Uh, yeah i think i think there's some small part of her that thinks that by helping him have a successful campaign that maybe i think that she probably loved him once you know she talks a lot about when he was in college and what a great speaker he was and how passionate he was and, and certainly that must have drawn her to him in the first place. And, and whether it is you know, love or infatuation, I, I think part of her maybe hopes that they can go back to feeling that way again. Right. I mean, on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the other hand, you know, I, I think that she's also cynical enough to, to believe that that's probably not going to happen. And, and that yeah. even if he does win he's going to minimize her contributions. He's going to attribute oh, it all sure. to, mm-hmm. you know, his, his, you know, electrifying speeches and his, and his white man quoting Martin Luther King. And, oh my and, goodness. You know, that, that's what he's going to think instead of, you know, remembering that it, it's, you know, the, the, the pavement pounding and the handshaking and the financial maneuvering, all the shit that she's going to be doing. He's going to be like, yeah, that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the kind of speeches I gave that, that won me votes. Right. 
But if it doesn't work, it's her fault. That's also her fault. Thought yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a moment at the party right before she, the pound cake incident where she says, and you're married to a loser or something like that. And I feel like women in this type of like society or role, like lots of times you view the man you're able to land as part of a status symbol and it's like if he like got fired from his job like he's nothing he can't this get this endorsement and that's how she's defining her own power and her own self-worth like mm-hmm. she's got to help him win and that's going to boost her up also so here's the thing that i found most fascinating about this so we don't see the nature of the conversation that goes down between danny and ernie and then sheila can barely get it out of him what ernie actually said and when it comes out we get this confirmation that Ernie said, oh, Danny, you're a better behind the scenes man. Which is the political figure. And you're like, that's Sheila. Sheila should be the one in the front and he should be the one behind her because she's Mm -hmm. clearly got all the good ideas. But also she's so much more of a captivating, stronger figure. Like Danny's a pushover and he's not interesting. And Mm -hmm. I, I just love this idea that the show is kind of playing with this ascendance trajectory for Sheila you know she will become the person in front of the camera as evident in these future I guess however we want to define the 1986 timeline when we see her doing her aerobics class in front of the camera she's got her backup dancers like we know where she will go we have no Mm -hmm. idea where Danny is going to go but I don't think he's going to be the one in center stage Hopefully to hell. I, don't <laughs> I know. Potato bell. Yeah. God, what a what a loathsome character. My God. And of course, at the end of the episode, he's chatting up with Sabrina Simone. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he desperately, desperately wants to have sex with a very young woman. And you know, he, keep, yep. he keeps implying, like he's sort of putting feelers out as to what she does to give himself an excuse. He keeps kind of suggesting and a half joking half not that maybe Sheila is cheating on him I definitely get the feeling it's going to be a race to which which one of them steps out of the relationship first yeah yes yeah mm-hmm I don't foresee a happy ending for this couple in the future. Oh, no. I, I mean, don't think he'd we have to, want he'd it. Have to get, no. He'd have to get hit on the head or something and have like a, <laughs> you know, undergo a complete personality change. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they shouldn't they shouldn't be together now, let alone no. four years from now or where they, wherever the flash forward right. is supposed to be. But I, I do worry that one of the things that's going to develop is that she is going to sleep with someone, either Tyler or with Jim Bream, possibly both. And it's going to end up being the impetus in which he gets to divorce her and quote unquote, be the superior person. Mm-hmm. That's my future forecast, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, and you know, that's it's not like that's never happened before. That is a frequent thing. And the thing that pisses me off the most, not the most, there's a lot of things that piss me off about Danny. But the thing that really bugs me is when he's talking about policy stuff, I really agree with him a lot of times. <laughs> oh, I wish he weren't such an asshole. I really want to support you, you know? Well, he's, 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 got, he's got that, like, you know, obnoxious aging hippie thing going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because that's the thing. It's yeah. like his, his political values align with us because we are against capitalism. We are against figureheads of the patriarchy. And also we're for the environment. So, of course, we're going to agree with him. But mm-hmm. I get the feeling that he's even being disingenuous or he's lying to himself. Like, he didn't believe in the environment. It wasn't until Sheila probably came to him and said, hey, the surfers are really concerned about what Jim Bream is going to do to the the environmental landscape of the beach. Mm-hmm. And then he says, jackpot. I can make a commercial yeah. out of that. 
what's the onion headline? Yeah, wor- worst person you know makes a good point or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, and even when he's quoting Dr. King, like he says, and that's what I'm going to hang my my campaign on. Not like, oh, this is great. I really agree with this. You know, it's like he's right. Found his that's end, a good point. He he, you know? he doesn't necessarily say he believes in it, just that he thought it would make a good platform. You're absolutely right. right. Great observation. Both that and the comment about the burrito is so firmly indicative <laughs> of like a white person appropriating other people's culture for their own mm-hmm. political gain. You're just like, oh, you're garbage. I know. Also, yeah, that's just one of those moments where I'm like, oh, you think you're really profound right Mm -hmm. now, too, you know. Um, But there's a moment at the party when Sheila drops this line when this this woman about who's rhapsodizing about microwaves is like, how would they let it in our house if it's bad for us? And she's like, uh, oh, instead of like government ineptitude and just like drops this knowledge. And it's like, ah, you know what you're talking about. I love you. Corporate greed and government ineptitude. And you can tell it's Mm -hmm. one of those moments where I think she meant to keep it in her head and then she said it out loud and you just mm-hmm. think she's smart. This is before we mm-hmm. get the confirmation that she was a graduate student, but it all makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what did you think of Leah Delaria's brief cameo as Professor Mendelssohn, the women's studies professor? I mean, I think the, you know, making the women's studies teacher a lesbian is probably a little bit stereotypical, but, right. you know, it was supposed, it is supposed to be 1981, so I guess that probably tracks. Well, did you know that lesbians can make jokes, Gina? I, I, I am aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit spot on, but I appreciated the fact that we now know that Sheila has a background in women's studies because that does make a lot of things more evident. It also makes me all the more sad for her eating disorder and the way that she views her own body because I'm just like, oh no. That's about that's about as anti-feminist as you can get. Yeah, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you've internalized all the bad ideologies. Yeah, that's very of it. true. That's very yeah. true. One thing I think is interesting about this show, and now I'm only basing this on two episodes so far, but Everything that we know about Sheila is kind of you sort of subtly given to us. One thing is that a lot of shows would have started doing by now is kind of bringing her family into it. Mm. And we don't know anything. We don't know where she came from. Nope. We don't, we don't know if her parents are still living, if she has any siblings, what kind of relationship. We could assume that her problems didn't entirely start with marrying Danny, that, that, you know, mm-hmm. she came into it with, you know, a fragile self-esteem, maybe not as much as fragile as it is now, but I, I'm kind of hoping that they, that they don't bring the family into it because it, it would feel a little forced at this point. Like I, I'm kind of hoping they don't do like, you know, flashback episodes or anything like that. I, I think that we are being fed enough, information about her to get a pretty good feel for what kind of person she is without having to say oh okay her mom was like really weird about weight and Mm -hmm. you know was a perfectionist Mm -hmm. or whatever because we could probably assume that that was true yeah you know know, most women who struggle with an eating disorder there's there's a family history of it either either in in getting remarks about your weight when you were growing up or or you might have had a mother who you did a lot of fad dieting it, it, these things just don't, you know, develop in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So yeah. y- you could probably make your own assumptions about what kind of childhood she had, what her teenage years were like. And, and I think it's good that the that so far, at least, the audience is allowed to 
you kind of developed her own ideas about her life before Danny. Right. Yeah. And one thing I noticed, um, I think just seeing, starting to see patterns in Danny's behavior is I think a lot of times I really want to pin things on society in quotation marks, you know, but I think living with a man like Danny who just casually slips in that she's not a person of substance, like that might be enough to cause an eating disorder or to at least kind of um, aggravate an eating disorder. Yeah. So I like, I I hadn't really thought about her childhood, but I like that. Yeah. Like maybe the show can just say, this is enough to cause this. Right. And so husbands, you know, stop. (laughs) I think everything that's happening in the present and by which I mean the past tense in 1981, I think it's all so captivating. I just don't know that we would even need, like what could we possibly glean from any background information. And yet I could easily see some kind of flashback to how we got together. Where did this all start? Where did it all start to go wrong kind of deal? But I just, yeah. I don't think we need it. I wouldn't. No, I, I I think that they are doing enough with a little expository dialogue and just, you know, the, the way she kind of like shrivels in his presence. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is how she's used to seeing, you know, housewives behave around their husbands. You know, it, it, right. if he shut, if he shuts you down, you don't pursue it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you head to the pancake. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just dig in. And it's a different kind of abuse than I think we are used to seeing. Like I think of like sleeping with the enemy and that kind of husband is what I think a lot of people think of as abusive. Right. But there's a lot of emotional abuse that's very quiet. Yeah, he's just, he's he's chipping away at her self-esteem. And, and I don't even, to be honest with you, as awful a character as Danny is, I think he's so far up his own ass, he doesn't even realize he's doing it. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is trying to hurt her feelings. It's just he's so thoughtless and so self-absorbed mm-hmm. that he doesn't even realize he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's a person of little consequence to him. Yeah. Like, right. You know. She's there to facilitate things that he doesn't want to pay attention to, like child rearing, like house upkeep, like making him look good at every fucking party that they go to. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to go out of his way to impress her. I mean, you know, she must be impressed she married him, didn't she? I mean, oh God. you know, <laughs> he, he, he's not a he's not a believer in the idea of, you know, you, you have to keep impressing your spouse. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. know, you, your, your spouse should be the main person you should always be seeking to impress in your life. That you, you should always assume that that you're looking to get their their approval on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she should. She should always be improving herself uh, for his approval. Ugh. I think he's just a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 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 believably terrible. Yes, yes, very much. He's not an ogre. He's just an asshole. And and mm-hmm. and you know, and and we've all encountered those people. And, and he's very realistically written. You know, I mean, where mm-hmm. he's you know, his life didn't go the way he wanted it to. You know, he, he's, you know, quote, unquote, not allowed to to sleep with young women, you know, so he's or, or he's gotten too old to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, these characters are what, late 30s, I guess, maybe. So, you know, yeah. you know, the expiration date for that kind of thing has kind of passed for him. And I don't think he has accepted that yet. And I have no idea why Simone is so impressed with them. I mean, I get Gosh. I get why 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 she's impressed with with Sheila because you know Sheila sees you know beautiful and cultured and classy. I have no idea why she's hard eyes for Danny. I, I really don't. I think it's just the infatuation that you sometimes get with someone that you respect, either politically or academically or something like that. 
and maybe we can start to move into where we think the show is going to go next, but I do kind of hope that we get a little bit more insight into some of these other female characters. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. really happy with how much we're getting to know about Sheila, but it is still very much the Sheila show. I'd hope that we would maybe get a bit more with Greta this episode, and I do think that we'll continue to see that relationship grow in the future. But I would love to even just get like a touch of insight into Simone. Is she really this kind of vacant that she just has starry eyes for someone like Danny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But given yeah. the choice, I'd rather go with Greta or Bunny. Like, I, I want more Bunny. I really want more Bunny. I do too. Yeah, yeah I've, I want I've an never, hour I've never, show. I've never <laughs> seen this actress before. She just—I mean—they couldn't have picked somebody more appropriate to look like an '80s aerobics instructor. She just has that. Mm-hmm. I, I love her crunchy hair mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. her crimp ponytail. It's just—it's so—it's <laughs> so dead on. Yeah, mm-hmm. her like sharp features. Yeah, Della Sav is doing a fantastic job. I love her line delivery of like I said, drink it, drink the pink lemonade and speed. <laughs> yes i love that you called it gina you said it last episode you said oh yeah there's a lot of speed going on and it's like here's confirmation yep <laughs> take it in the form of pink lemonade <laughs> can we talk about tyler for a minute because i love him <laughs> and he just is performing skepticism in this way that i find so entertaining the surfer dude thing like he'll look and he's like what's your deal and i just love him <laughs> Yeah, he he is also on the kind of caricature spectrum for me in the same way that Professor Mendelssohn was like, when you think of a, a lesbian academic, you think of that when you think of like a surfer bro, this is kind of what you think of. And yet I do think that Lou Taylor Pucci, he's got a really good sense of comedic timing. So his, mm-hmm. his look of Oh, man, this lady's back again. What does she want now? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's just there's something quirky about him that I really, I really, I also I think he's a little dreamy. So that might be part of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I want to find out more about him and more about his relationship with Bunny, too. Although I find him a little bumbling, too. Mm hmm. Well, I think he was going to I think he's going to basically serve as sort of the antithesis to to Danny. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is maybe why she'll end up sleeping with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the breath of fresh air that she desperately needs. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Okay, so any immediate forecast predictions for the next episode? I think we've kind of already talked about this, but I just wrote, Danny will start to do well, totally oblivious to the fact that it's because of Sheila and that he will probably sleep with Simone. Mm. I really want Sheila to have a human moment with Greta. You know, like they kind of had this like breakfast date thing. And I really want her to kind of see, hey, we have a lot more in common than we realize, you know, because I bet a lot of the stuff that's going on in in Sheila's head, is probably going on in Greta's head, like maybe a little more kind to herself and others. But you know, I want them to see that they have a lot more in common than they realize. Yeah. Should we assume that she was able to deposit that money? Or is that still floating around her purse? Mm, I think think it's it's still still in her purse. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, I don't understand that. I was like, take a dollar off and just I deposit nine hundred and ninety nine. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. That was. Yeah. That was that, dumb, I, I, I feel that that we got no resolution. That means it's still a potential problem. I mm-hmm. agree. Gina, you're so money focused. Because <laughs> <laughs> it makes me nervous. You oh, know. God, I mean, yeah. I, I anything talking about you know someone having to get money in a hurry or having to cover up their own you know. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, not, not stealing because it's her money too, presumably, but, but mm-hmm. you know, having to hide something that has to do with money from your spouse, that's just such a source of anxiety. 
Yeah. And it kind of reminds you of what a hassle it was, you know, not too long ago to have to go take money out of the bank and then put money back in the bank. And, you know, now it's, you know, literally a touch of a button. You could just transfer funds into your account. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And like, no, no one would be the wiser. Yeah. You, you forget the, the, you younger folks, you don't, don't remember the, <laughs> you know, the, the anxiety that caused of having to scramble around to put money in your bank account in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And, right. And I, you know, I assume that if she doesn't figure that out, you know, which again, as you say, could just be a question of depositing $999 of $1,000 or breaking it into two separate deposits, which could also, which mm-hmm. could also work. That's still going to blow up in her face somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I wasn't even giving it a second thought. And now the idea that she is walking around with a thousand dollars in that purse of hers is making me very worried. <laughs> because this is mm-hmm. only this is only like over the this episode only takes place over the course of like a day or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with everything that you're both saying. I think we're going to start to see the slow political ascension of Danny. I do hope that we're going to get more with Greta. I want to see more friction with Bunny. And I hope that we Mm -hmm. get a bit of clarity about the relationship between Bunny and Tyler. So Mm -hmm. I want it all is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Got eight eight episodes to go. So there's lots of potential. Right. And it's killing me not to just binge them all because I really want to (laughs) know. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. But the good news is, is that, uh, of course, people can just listen to episode three because we're dropping this all on the same day. But uh, for now, I think maybe that's a good place for us to bid adieu. So, Jen, people are trying to get a hold of you to speculate theories. How would they do so? (laughs) You can find me at Jen Ferratu on all socials. And you can also find me hosting, co-hosting the Losers Club podcast and the Psychoanalysis podcast and writing the Strong Female Antagonist blog. Lovely. And Gina? I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, where we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters and the odd little details. Uh, I think by this time, by the time this goes up, we'll cover The Conjuring 3. The devil made me do it. <laughs> so you can look for me there. And I am on Twitter under Porcelain72. Nice. And if you want to get a hold of me, I am at B still on my remote, and that's the letter B. And also, my weekly podcast comes out every Wednesday. That is Horror Queers. But I think for now, uh, we will bid adieu to the aerobics room. I'll just give a quick shout out to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting this podcast. Make sure you give the other podcasts a listen, give a rate and review and subscribe and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, keep an eye and an ear out for more aerobics chat, more Sheila chat, all that good stuff with White Ladies in Crisis coming at you soon. Squad.